DKS24 is powered by Cliff Central, uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, the podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. Dot ZA or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu ZA or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu ZA. The financial services industry globally is an industry which is fraught with legacy systems and inability to execute quickly and a ton of organizational inertia to boot. To address these complications, they have opened up their previously closed business models to startup founders and entrepreneurs who have concepts and or ideas for innovative products and services that address consumer needs in the financial services category. One such startup is Tallysticks, a startup that is disrupting a $1.3 trillion global economy. So to find out exactly how they are doing this with blockchain technology, I reached out to Kush Patel, one of the founders of Tallysticks. And interestingly, they have recently just gone through the Barclays Accelerator program in London. So pay attention, because in this episode, you'll learn how global brands like Barclays Bank are working with startup founders and entrepreneurs with innovative products and services to unlock dormant value in the organizations. So without further ado, enter Kush Patel. Hello and welcome to the 24th edition of the Digital Kung Fu Show. Uh, my name is Matt and I'd like to kick us off uh, today with a quote by Benjamin Franklin where he said, quote, an investment in knowledge always pays the best interest, uh, end quote. So our guest today is, um, is an amazing entrepreneur. His name is uh, Krish Patel. He's the uh, co-founder and current CEO of um, Tallysticks, which is a startup focused on unlocking a $500 billion opportunity in the financial services space. Um, and interestingly enough, and we'll touch on this a bit later, but um, he's just recently gone through the Barclays Accelerator program in London. So that's very exciting. So Krish, thank you for your time today. It's great to have you in the hot seat. Uh, uh, thanks, Matt. Really appreciate the invite. Uh, hopefully, I survive the hot seat and I, I don't turn on fire. You know, let's see how it goes. <laughs> okay, very good. So maybe you can kick us off with um, giving us a broad or a big picture overview of your um, of your kind of career to date, um, and then we'll jump into uh, the heavy stuff or the meat and potatoes of uh, Tally Sticks after that. Okay, sure. I started my career, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but I started my career about 20 years ago mm-hmm. uh, on Wall Street uh, at one of the, the investment banks. Uh, I generally don't like throwing out names, so I won't uh, put out names. But uh, That's you know, fine. If you want to see, go on to my LinkedIn, you'll, you'll see where I work. Cool. Uh, spent a few years there, did emerging market equities, uh, went to graduate school. Uh, from there, um, essentially, uh, was recruited by the United States government. Mm-hmm. Uh, played cowboys and Indians in the desert for uh, a couple of years and decided I wanted a personal life. Didn't want to just, uh, I didn't want to be running around from uh, one hotspot to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'm, I'm in one hotspot or a hot seat right now. Um, but uh, all that <laughs> joking aside, uh, I tried to get back into wall street. Uh, obviously markets weren't uh, conducive to, uh, you know, to, mm. or, or Rejoining the marketplace. Uh, in fact, uh, they were downsizing. Credit markets had frozen up, even though there was a and there was a silent hiring freeze uh, across the street. Uh, eventually, started out my, on my uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, first venture investment management. Uh, you know, Comsi Comsa. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of sort of. Uh, I won't go into too much detail, but uh, you know, given the, all the Bernie Madoff and all these financial scandals and, and the fact that money was, was not at, was at a premium. Uh, it's sort of, uh, it, you know, I, I survived. Let's put it that way. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, glad to have you with us today because it's pretty oh, awesome what, you, uh, what you're up to at the moment. So let's jump straight into that. Right. So, sure. um, I love the name tally sticks. Um, and I think yeah. it's a word that's, that's steeped in history. So maybe you can just take a few seconds just to explain to our listeners what the whole, 
a telly stick is. Yeah, if you uh, if you go back to you know to the olden days, uh, I think they they traced it back to at least uh, 500 BC or something like that in the Sumerian days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, the way it came about was uh, Adi, my co-founder, was uh, speaking to to someone who was reading all these books for the Man Booker Prize. Mm-hmm. He was trying to explain what we were doing or, or what blockchain was about. And he said, oh, that's like a tally stick. Uh, what's a tally stick? Uh, so in the old days, uh, the exchequer, uh, which is the basically the, the finance ministry here in the UK, uh, used to use these wooden sticks. Uh, and what they'd do is add some markings into a piece of wood, split it lengthwise, mm-hmm. and each party's, you know, kept uh, one half of what was a distributed ledger, right? Uh, yeah. The first instance of a distributed ledger. Mm. So, I mean, you couldn't tamper with that, that stick because if you change the markings, if you erase them, you, you know, you, you ground them down, you added markings, it didn't, you know, when you brought the two pieces together, it didn't match up. Mm. Uh, if you think about distributed ledger technology or blockchain technology, that's pretty much the same thing. If, mm-hmm. if you look at two ledgers and they don't match up, that, that means somebody's tampered with one half of the ledger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, the one that's been tampered with is, is going to be written, rewritten by the, the general consensus or the, you know, all the other ledgers that are part of the, part of the system. So, you know, we thought, uh, given the fact that we're in the lending space, in the, in the blockchain space, as an apropos name for the, for the solution. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's funny how history has a way of repeating itself. Eh? Yeah, pretty much. So we're trying to bring back a new new form of tally sticks and hopefully uh, we succeed with it, you know? Yeah, well, uh, so uh, far so good, hey? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay, but um, so let's let's jump into really what tally sticks is all about and what you guys are trying to do, right? So um, as we mentioned in the intro, you're looking at unlocking a $500 billion opportunity. But when you unpack the layers, what does that really mean? And one of the things that jumped out for me when I was reading through the the deck that your team had sent over to me um, was that you mentioned this thing about a funding shortfall. Yeah. Um, and I think that was an interesting term for me that really said, well, how does funding f- a funding shortfall for SMEs in Europe, which is a big, big market, billions and billions of, of markets. Right. H- how does that funding shortfall relate to tally sticks and yeah. your solution? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So a few things here. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned 500 billion and that was largely for the European economy. Hmm. Uh, when you look at it globally, you know, for SME funding globally is about 1.5 trillion. So it's about three times the size. Sure. Uh, now, the way that a solution like Tally Sticks can help close that funding shortfall is that, uh, you know, if you think of an SME, they only have about two or three different ways to, to receive financing. Uh, right now, they can go out and raise, uh, raise a loan on a personal debt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, or, or, or against their own credit. Uh, that's one option. Uh, the other option is against some kind of hard asset. Uh, usually it's a, a piece of property or, you know, uh, or some kind of machinery, which, uh, for most SMEs, the machinery element doesn't come into play. Uh, and they're not going to have a hard asset like a, like a real estate. They're, they're generally going to use, uh, you know, they're going to be renting space. Mm. Uh, so in terms of collateral, the only collateral that they have, I mean, they're not going to receive any uncollateralized, uh, loan. So the only collateralized type of loan that they're going to receive uh, is against invoices, right? So mm. that's the only sort of uh, asset that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, uh, you know, and I was just talking to you know a bank this morning. I mean, they have a threshold. You have to have certain metrics in order to receive funding against uh, some kind of collateralized asset, right? Mm. Uh, and most, uh, you know, most banks, you know, I mean, it's got to be profitable for them to lend against uh, to against to get lend against uh, an invoice. Mm. So what we're saying is we bring down the pricing of lending against an invoice to a point whereby more companies can actually ask, access that, that, that financing, right? Okay. Yeah. So we make it so affordable that, you know, it can be anyone, whether it's a bank or, or an independent uh, lender or even, a, or even an investor mm. can turn around and, and lend against a, an invoice if they want to. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part of this is, yes, banks, one of the other reasons the banks won't lend is they, they've got, you know, if they have 10, 10, let's say, parties that they want to invest to or lend to, uh, they'll find the ones where they're going to receive the highest return on investment. Sure. And the other, you know, the other five won't receive funding. Now, if we can take that lending, right, uh, and securitize it and take it off the books, right? 
that allows that bank to lend to more people. And so that's how we're saying we're going to close that, that funding shortfall. So okay. it's not just about making it cheaper, but it's about giving the banks the ability to, to you know, deleverage their, their balance sheet mm. in such a way that they can lend more and mm. to lend to, to companies that they normally wouldn't lend to. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're enabling them to access new markets, but also um, I'm not a finance guy, but I imagine that you're, you're offsetting their risk as well, right? Because much, it's yeah. about saying, you know, I've got 100 orders of 4 million widgets, right? I haven't been paid yet, but that's what my book says. Exactly. Which means the value of my company will be X in Y period. And therefore, based on that window, the bank can say, well, you know, is this the type of company that we feel that we can back, right? For expansion or to actually into other categories like, you know, uh, movable assets and stuff like that and commercial assets, right? So Absolutely. And if I can add one other sort of layer on Europe where you go outside of the developing markets, a lot of companies don't have access to, I mean, if you go to Africa, you know, the Southeast Asia, is, it's actually not, not as bad. If you're looking at Africa, maybe some parts of South America, uh, even that isn't that bad. But you look at certain pockets, the pockets of the world in the developing world, and they don't even have, have access to, to working capital, you know? Mm. So this is a way for a bank, uh, given our, our sort of KYC, AML, you know, robust framework around Mm-hmm. Uh, transactional framework around our, our system. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone sitting in London, someone sitting in you know even uh, Cape Town, someone sitting in, in New York can finance a, a, an invoice you know halfway across the globe mm-hmm. uh, because and they can still be assured that their payments going to be uh, tracked all the way back to back to mm-hmm. uh, where their, their their home location. Okay, I want to say two things. One, I love I love this idea like massively. I'm not I don't just That's say right. that to anyone, but um, in, in emerging markets, this is a huge fucking problem, right? I mean, jeez, <laughs> dude, I mean, it's just insane. Um, and, you know, it's um, this whole notion of SMEs being the bedrock of a, of a growing economy. Exactly. And if you can disrupt the value chain in that sense, then you're effectively enabling uh, economies of scale. Um, yes. Whether you're financing that invoice overseas or whether you find, you're financing it in your suburb. Do you know what I mean? Right. The bank yeah, absolutely. Room. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, SMEs, you know, you know, one of our value propositions is SMEs account for more than 50% of uh, GDP contribution generally. Mm. Uh, they account for more than 50% of, uh, of employment mm. and yet they receive less than 30% of funding. Mm. Uh, so these are just some very basic statistics. Yeah. Uh, and Which is if, sad. Exactly. And if we can have, that 30%, you know, uh, go to 50%, which is what they actually contribute to the economy, mm. then you can imagine what the growth potential for the global economy is, you know, in a, in a much, much more philosophical, much more theoretical, uh, you know, sort of uh, conversation. But no less true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I, what I really love about um, the idea is that for me, it kind of solves a number of problems in, throughout the value chain, right? So, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, just from what I've seen and what I've yeah, read. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's, it's solving a couple of things for suppliers, buyers, and banks. So for instance, um, and maybe I think this might help the, uh, the listeners really understand how it all sure. fits together. So, yeah. so let's scenario plan, right? So let's say yeah. um, I'm a buyer, you're a supplier, the supplier invoices me. Um, I then approve that invoice, but then you don't get paid. Yes. Uh, is that generally where it comes? Yeah. So what we, what we found is uh, on balance, uh, you know, large corporations have standard 60 to 90 day terms. Some, some even have longer terms, right? Uh, now, if you're an SME or even if you're another large corporation, you want to get paid today. Mm. Uh, invoice financing provides you with that, that opportunity or that facility to, to be paid today, which allows you to expand business, which allows you to do some, you know, some interesting things, you know, mm. uh, maybe it's buying new machinery or, or whatnot. So what we're saying is, uh, you know, uh, if we can if we can shorten the payment terms uh, through lending uh, or invoice lending, then uh, then it's sort of it's a win win for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're no longer f- sitting there f- chasing up your customers or, or you know for payment. Instead, you're focusing on uh, on business. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned the KYC framework. That's the Know Your Customer framework. Right? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 How does that um, apply in your case or in your solutions uh, case where, for instance, um, you use an algorithm, right? Which basically ma- sort of says, yeah. well, there's an invoice that you can pay based on a risk assessment, right? Yeah. Broadly. So there, 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 there's two elements that I want, I want to mention here. Uh, number one, uh, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people go out there who want to b- build a blockchain solution, right? Mm-hmm. They, they go out there and they say, oh, I've got to build this, this blockchain solution. Mm-hmm. Great. Yes, you do. You know, uh, but blockchain is simply, you know, it, it, it will account for about 20% of your overall technical build. Uh, 80%, maybe even more of your consideration will go into, you know, off, what, what we call as off-chain considerations. Mm. Uh, one of these, for us, one of these off-chain considerations is KYC. So know your customer, right? Uh, so what we do is, you know, people say, why are you using a private blockchain, which is what we do, as opposed to a pl- public blockchain, uh, which is already existing out there. Mm. So what we do is we take the existing protocols of a given blockchain uh, format and we ring fence it so that we, we are the uh, sort of the, you know, the, the master key holder, right? Mm. Uh, not so much the master key holder, but we are the master registry. Mm. So anytime a company wants to enter onto this, you know, this invoicing network, uh, they basically, uh, they go through, they, they fill out some documentation. We are connected into some APIs and things like that. We validate uh, information like their, their, you know, their company registration number, Against their, you know, their their address and the director's names, we validate uh, things like uh, their VAT or, or or tax ID number. We okay. validate uh, their bank account, and we do that so that if someone's sitting, let's say, halfway across the globe, mm-hmm. uh, let's say here in London, mm-hmm. uh, wants to provide uh, an SME based in, I don't know, Botswana, let's say hypothetically, uh, with some, you know, some farmer in Botswana with some uh, invoice financing. Maybe that, that farm in Botswana is providing uh, goods and services back to, you know, I don't know, M&S or someone like that, uh, some retail, some grocery store, mm-hmm. uh, drug retail outlet here. Uh, then it becomes a lot easier to provide that, that financing because you know ultimately uh, that that's a legitimate business. Uh, you're not, I mean, if I go into invoice financing and some of the, some of the, some of the challenges that exist for banks today, uh, I don't know if you saw about two weeks ago, uh, you know, Bloomberg issued this, uh, this massive, uh, article that there's there a $4 trillion worth of fraud that existed in, in, in trade finance, not invoice financing per se, but trade finance in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the sort of the examples in that, uh, in that, uh, article was, uh, a company based in Singapore had financed their, their stockpile of, of scrap metal two or three times over, Right. Okay. So how do you prevent that from happening? And that's basically you put everything on blockchain. If it's been, if an invoice has been financed elsewhere, uh-huh. if a stockpile has been a stockpile of metals has been financed elsewhere, then you know because the, the history will tell you that it's been financed elsewhere. Yeah, that's so, where the blockchain comes in. Yeah. So you're actually becoming a, a securitization company, in a way. Uh, in, in a way, yes. So what we're doing is we're saying, you know, you can take uh, an asset and securitize it, you know, provide, get financing against it. Uh, and I, I, but I want to clarify two ways of securitization, right? Mm-hmm. So one is to receive the financing itself. Yep. The other is taking all these, these, these loan components, right? Uh, so if you've got, if you're a bank or a lender and you've financed, let's say, a thousand invoices, right? You can then turn around and package them up. I don't know if you've seen the movie The The Big Short, yes. uh, but the movie The, the Big Short, uh, they basically repackaged all, all kinds of like home mortgages and things like that. Mm-hmm. The problem was no one knew what was underlying these 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 massive uh, securitized products. Mm. What we're trying to do is provide that transparency that when these invoices are packaged up, sold as tranches into the to to the market for. You know, someone like a, a pension fund or an asset manager or, or you know, even another trading desk mm. to buy up or a hedge fund to buy up, at least that hedge fund, that, that investor will know exactly what they've bought and who they, you know, who is the ultimate debtor in, in, in that, uh, in, in that uh, securitized invoice, mm. securitized charge. So there's two elements. One, there's a securitization that you're talking about, which is turning a, an asset into, into money. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for or borrowed money, uh, and the other is to actually package up 
that borrowed money into, into <laughs> and remove it from the balance sheet. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see why this is all very exciting for a bank like Barclays, right? Um, yeah. Because like you mentioned, the Bloomberg article the other day, uh, at when was it? Um, it was probably about three weeks ago. It was in China yeah. or Singapore or something like that. And yeah. one, one outfit took something like $300 million off Oh, out of ATMs before the bank even knew what the fuck was going on. Absolutely, yeah. And fraud is everywhere. And I think it even affects everywhere. everywhere. I mean, I started... Even central banks have been compromised. Uh, The the central bank of uh, Bangladesh was compromised simply via fraud. How does that happen? I know, I know. It's it's just nasty. The extent to which, you know, this this um, this fraud thing is is sort of eating into the commercial and financial centres of the world, and so I can see why Talistex must be such a encouraging and exciting proposition given all the different things that it can do and lends itself to do very well. Um, And it's interesting because I was talking to um, Tim Hamilton. Um, when was it? Last last week, Friday, I think, Um, and we were talking about how. Uh, banks are opening up their business models effectively to um, to innovators such as yourself in the financial yeah. services space to effectively offset the organizational inertia that they have with their existing systems and infrastructure and actually saying, hey, dude, Mr. Tally Sticks over there, if you can do it for better, faster, and cheaper, then you can still solve us a trillion-dollar problem, right? So, right. So, so let's talk about this accelerator and, and you know, <laughs> okay. Barclays accelerator. It's and over here locally as well, they're popping up all the time. Of course, like uh, every week it's Barclays like Barclays has hey, an accelerator down in uh, down in uh, I think it's Durban. Is it Durban? In Cape Town? I think it's Cape Town. Sorry, Cape yeah. Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finstart or Finscope or something. I, I can't remember. Yeah, okay. but that's all good. Um, but it's happening in the market right now. But as entrepreneurs and startup founders, we don't often have the luxury of having said, "Hey, I actually went through it, and hoo ha, I'm actually making shit rain over in London." You know. So, uh, <laughs> so what, what? So, how did you get accepted into a program like that? And what was the experience like? What have you learned from it? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, getting into the program was was fantastic for us. Uh, at the time, we're we're a very young company. Uh, let's let's leave it at that. I mean, it was a super young company. Um, but uh, for us, it was uh, you know there were about almost seven hundred no six hundred I can't remember seven hundred eight hundred applicants. I can't remember something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It was either six eighty five or seven eighty one of the two numbers. I can't remember uh, and. You know, obviously they pick ten, uh, so that that's good because that gives you validation, right? Yeah. And so when you have that validation, obviously the biggest thing is when you when you talk to another bank or financial institution or you know no matter who you talk to, it gives you some level of credibility. Mm. That said, you still, I mean, everyone's still going to you know size you up and still going to say, do these guys know what they're talking about and do they have a product to deliver and, and all these things, right? Yeah, you got to so, poke it with the stick, you know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we meet the, uh, the poke measure, uh, the poke metric, right? But then after that, then, you know, th- th- there's a lot more we have to deliver, right? Uh, now, so from that perspective, joining an accelerator, yes, it's, uh, it's worthwhile. It, it's, you know, you will give up some equity, but, you know, you will get a lot of benefits out of it. You'll make a lot of connections. Mm. If you're able to co- leverage those connections, then fantastic. Uh, it's a lot of time commitment. Uh, for us, as, as I said, as a, as a young company, 
you know, with very limited resources, uh, and which we're still at, we were talking about that earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it literally is a situation whereby, uh, I mean, I, I literally, I, 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 I didn't breathe anything else, you know? Mm. Uh, and the time that I, I had extra, I mean, I was going from one meeting to the next, next simply because uh, we were decent. I mean, Adi helped a lot, helped out a lot on uh, business development. Okay. But uh, I would say that, you know, if you, if for anyone that does decide to join an accelerator, mm. it, it is a full-time commitment. Uh, if you're understaffed, uh, be ready to commit a lot of time, uh, like we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, if you've got plenty of staff, then Hey, then Great. do the program. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, let's let's talk about that. I mean, you guys were bootstrapped, right, from the beginning, or had you? Yeah, you were bootstrapped straight off the bat, and then. Well, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So we had uh, we had some. Uh, I mean, we, we fortunately we had we had raised some money going into it, you know. Mm. But that said, we we had to manage our cash flow. We, we were nowhere near a luxury. Like some of the companies in there had been around for a year, two years. They had like yeah. five, six developers. They had. A couple of uh, one, at least one BD guy, yeah. uh, in addition to their senior, you know, their CEO, CTO, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Whereas Adi and I were just running from one place to another, like uh, two chickens with our heads cut off. You know, uh, <laughs> in addition to, to the meeting, the commitments we had to to the to the accelerator program. But yeah, uh, so really eventually, yeah. Well, congratulations. Um, I think it's great. I think it's really great because in many respects, you know, you were really up against it, even from, a, I mean, 700 applicants. I mean, fuck. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> so, um, but Eddie's your CTO, right? Yeah, he's a CTO. Okay. And he's the brains, I'll argue, I'll wholeheartedly argue, he's the brains behind uh, the solution. Uh-huh. Uh, I came up with the idea. I came up with, uh, you know, I, I have some design ideas and, and tell him that, but there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of times that audio just turn around and say, well, we could do it this way. We could do it this way. And it, and it happens. Mm. But I think, you know, I, I know a lot of your listeners are, you know, one of the things that we discussed that, you know, a lot of your listeners are thinking, oh, I want to build a blockchain solution or I, I want to do, I'll make two arguments here. Uh, the first argument is, it's not just about the tech. The tech will only get you so far. The, what's one of the key elements to our success in, in this in a, and you could have put a monkey in my place. I'll be honest with you. You know, uh, it's not true. It's not true. Hashtag not true. But you can put a monkey in my place, but you can't really put a monkey in, in, in Adi's place. And what I'm saying is some guy with a, with a business background that understands finance, that understand, you know, has to under, understand the business space that, the, that, you, that you're going to operate in. Right. Mm. But you also need a, a solid technical guy. Uh, and we just got lucky that, uh, you know, he had 20 years of IT experience as a systems architect. So he totally understood and he was very hands-on as well. Mm. So he totally understood, uh, the situation, right? Or he understood how to build products and he knew he understood how to scale it. Uh, that said, uh, you know, that, that's one thing. So always have a good balance. If you're going to, if you're going to go out and do it, don't just have a tech team. Don't just have a business team. You got to have both. Mm. Uh, and a lot of VCs have told us that as well. So that we, we got, that's where we've gotten a little bit extra sort of, uh, for, or, or benefit. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, and this goes back to something I said earlier, it's not just about, uh, it's not just about the blockchain or it, 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 80% of it resides out off chain, right? Uh, 80% of, uh, to make the solution viable, to make it enterprise grade, to make it viable for a major corporation will, will, will reside off chain. There's a lot of considerations that go around that. Uh, and I, I would argue that, uh, have those considerations in mind because, uh, you know, we had those in mind, but even, you know, a lot of people have come back and told us like you guys, you know, the reason we, we like your solution is because you've thought about things beyond just, uh, you know, how, how to fix one business process, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's how to get involved, how to get into a bank or how to, because it, that's a piecemeal fashion in, in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't, you can't just go in and say, I'm going to pop this uh, solution in, into the, into the banking solution. Yeah. You almost need to, you yeah. actually don't almost, you, oh, really, you need to understand, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the ecosystem, right? You need to understand exactly, yeah. the ecosystem of everything. And, and you've got to have a piecemeal uh, plan. You know, you got to have, I'm going to do this today, that tomorrow, the next thing, the next day. Okay, cool. Great advice. Thanks. Um, Kush, I want to talk to you about your commercial model because it's interesting. Financial services play this number of different buyers. I know you pitched it towards the financial services side of the, well, of the ecosystem, I guess. Right. Um, But um, I wanted to ask you this, what advice do you have for startup founders in terms of defining a forward looking 
commercial and business model because like you say it's not just about the immediate need but where's it right. all going you know yeah so okay first thing if you're gonna you gotta think about your audience right so in most cases if you're gonna build a blockchain solution unless it's customer focused and I, i've seen a few out there but those take a while to to build traction uh but if you're not going to build something that's customer focused you have to be ready for an enterprise sale an enterprise sale is not easy i mean that's year right i mean yeah. i mean the great it's thing like, is once it's, it's in you're you're reaping the rewards right it's, so yeah you're pretty much crying every day you're like when's the money gonna come in right <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's it's 10 <laughs> times the, the length isn't it, it exactly 10 right times so, the amount of conversations 10 times the capital 10 times exactly. the thinking. definitely yeah. uh so you got to have a plan in place you got to have a plan one how am i going to get the solution into into the market uh, to how am I going to raise money to, you know, how am I going to raise, you know, if I get into the market this far, which is a pilot or a POC, can I raise money off of it to do the next mm. sort of, uh, the next thing. Right. So that's, the, you got to think about these things, you know, you got to think about capital raising, you got to think about, uh, the build and you got to think about, uh, what am I going to build today for a pilot? And what am I going to have to build somewhere down the road? So you got to have this whole thing mapped out, ready to go, so that when you go to a VC, they know exactly why they're giving you money and, and what they're going to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they will they will invest in you without revenues. That's not a problem. The problem is like you, but you have to be able to explain to them what they're going to get out of it and how that's going to d- deliver the next stage of uh, sort of uh, either build or revenue. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for us, thank, thankfully, with this round we'll, we'll get to revenue. With the previous round, we had to explain what we were going to get out of it, and, and that was basically maybe some POCs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one thing I would argue. The other thing is uh, with sales, uh, with enterprise, you know, with customer sales, you, you have to be very price sensitive. With enterprise sales, and, and I, I'm not going to say you don't have to be price sensitive, but you have to be your value. You, you have to have the value propositions in place. Mm-hmm. A lot of t- nine times out of ten, it won't be on cost efficiencies and things like that. I can go out and, and literally when we started this accelerator program. We were talking about, you know, we can save a company fifty to seven percent on their, you know, on their cost structure and whatnot. That argument will almost never fly. I'm telling you that flat out. Cost efficiencies aren't going to get, isn't going to get anyone to buy that product. What's going to get someone to buy that product is, hey, I can either get you more customers in the door, right, uh-huh. or I can get you, I can make your life easier. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I can, you can, you don't have to spend four hours doing something. I can get it done in four minutes. Mm-hmm. That is going to fly a lot further than mm-hmm. telling someone I'm going to save you this much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Basically, the, the if, you can, if you can unlock dormant value, right? Exactly, right. Mm-hmm. And, and then based on, on the fact that I can create efficiencies in your personal, in, in your work life, then when, when it gets, it has to be approved by the senior manager mm-hmm. at, at that point in time, then it comes to finances and we can just apply a day rate and say, mm-hmm. this is how much it will cost. You know, mm-hmm. How much will save you. But don't start with the, the cost efficiency. Start with the, the human efficiency first. Okay, that's such great advice, uh, Kirsch. Thanks. Um, cool. So I wanted to talk to you about innovation. So I think your um, your platform and solution as a technology is pretty innovative. You know, lots of people associate blockchain with things like Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's yeah, Bitcoin? No, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so on that note, how are you how are you going to be remaining competitive um, and how are you working with blockchain and the evolution of blockchain to sort of um, substantiate or reinforce your positioning in the markets? Right. So, okay. A few things. Uh, one, I'll give you my, my under two, two views on blockchain, right? So blockchain for those, those of you that don't don't know or aren't, aren't as aware of blockchain I would argue it is a smart, uh, smart database, right? Mm. So it is something uh, that everyone, a database that everyone has to hold, but uh, you can add not only data, but you can also add code. So you can make it uh, a, a distributed application, right? So you can make it do certain things across the network, which, uh, I mean, to give you a very simple example, uh, I mean, I'll just use invoicing, right? So, you know, I provide you with an invoice, you know that you know off chain. You've uh, I've declared to you, hey, you've got to pay into this bank account. Now, with with a smart contract, what I can say is, here's my smart contract invoice. If you click pay on the invoice, 
Now, even if I financed it and it's gone to a second party, right? I can reroute that payment to the second party. It doesn't have to necessarily come to me, mm. right? So I, I've made it. I've, I've I've added some code to make it uh, make it make that you know that data do something different, different or do something smart, yeah. right? That's the first. Uh, the other philosophy that I have is there are going to be multiple blockchain systems out there, right? Mm. So there's going to be. Uh, I mean, you've got you know everything from the Bitcoin blockchain to Ethereum. You've got this one that's run by R3 or the Corda, which is run by R3, which is all, where all the banks are sort of going to put their, put all a lot of their uh, sort of um, their, their financing mechanisms. Uh, you've got uh, a few other that are coming out. Uh, you've got Eris Industries. You've got you got quite a few. You know, Eris, which is which is a offshoot of the original uh, Ethereum and things like that. What you're going to see is you're going to have multiple. I, I think of the blockchain as as an operating system, right? Mm. So if you okay. go back 20 years back, so they've said there's three major advents in in in, in technology. The first was the compu- uh, personal computer. You had the computer the size of a room. Now you had the the computer the size of a desk, right? Mm. That allowed you to, you know, instead of a typewriter, you now you had a computer, which made it a lot easier to do your work. Then the second advent was to connect that computer to another computer, which was the internet. And so you had these this combination of, uh, of computers, which now you can do emails, which which was the biggest benefit, right? Yeah, makes your life a lot easier. You don't have to pick up the phone every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to do something. The third major advent is we've created so much data, we've created so much information. Is how do we transfer that information seamlessly and much more efficiently from one party to the next? Now, if we think of like even a music file or a, or a movie file or something like that, right? I mean, you're streaming this information. You got to download this. Inf- I mean, it's, it becomes. I mean, you're using up yeah. a lot of bandwidth here, right? Yeah. How many cables are you going to lay to make this uh, all, all, all work together? Mm-hmm. So now you come up with a distributed ledger. Yes, we give you permission. Now you can you can see that movie. You already hold that information on your system. Now it makes, becomes a lot easier to to transfer information mm-hmm. and whatnot. This is where it's probably going in the in in the con- in consumer space somewhere down the road. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Today. Uh, now, what you'll see is, uh, you know, going back to this operating system, multiple companies, multiple operating system. Well, th- those were the three advents, right? So that was a blockchain, right? So now if I go to the second philosophy, multiple operating system, we'll have us, Tally Sticks, will have to build this software four or five times over. So it resides, one, at the bank, which is maybe on R3's Corda. Mm-hmm. Two, maybe sitting on, you know, Eris or, or something like that. Uh, which is where maybe maybe corporations will be, you know, uh, transacting back and forth, and then you'll you'll have another one on the on the Bitcoin network. You'll have Hyperledger, which is run by IBM, right, or, or the Open Ledger. So you have all these different operating platforms, and we'll have to have different instances at different places because different companies will be using different operating systems. You know, like, but the point is that today, if you open up Microsoft Office uh, on your computer, and let's suppose you're using an Apple. I mean, I use a Mac, but Let's suppose you're using a Mac too, Mac, or somebody yeah. else is, use, is using, uh, you know, and and an IBM or a DOS or a Microsoft-based system. Mm. They can still see that, you know, if I create a Word document, they can still see it on their system. But if I if it's hosted on a Linux server, it can still be they can still open up that document on a Linux server. So it's the same thing. That smart contract invoice will be able to be be able to transfer it across the different uh, networks. Cross platform, effectively. Cross platforms, right. exactly. Uh, and that's how I I see blockchain going somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I'm right or wrong, time will tell, and you know, uh, you know we'll see if I, you know. But at least that's what we're we're sort of uh, looking towards. You know, that we'll okay. have multiple instances for our software. All right. And again, this goes back to that whole 80-20, right? Yeah. Twenty percent of the blockchain, but eighty percent of thinking about all these. Other, other things. Markets. How are you going to fit this into different platforms? And how are you going to convince one bank who's already involved with R3? How are you going to convince them when you're not building on R3 to start yeah. using the platform? And this is, you know, you have to think about this. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. That's uh, really super advice. And I think you got your work cut out for you there. Eh? Shit. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. That's why we need money. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of people. People, yeah, people, people and money. Exactly. People and money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So let's go, um, I think, into um, questions from the community, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. Cool. Um, so our first one's from Adrian. He says, what has been the hardest aspect of building uh, Tally Sticks so far? Yeah, the toughest aspect, 
I tell you, it's not the blockchain. It isn't. And again, it goes to this thinking about all the other things that you would have never thought you had to think about when you when you started the software, you know, the software build. But then you get questions, you get that, and you literally think about this morning, night, and day. You know, how am I going to get payments through this? You know, we don't use a virtual currency. Mm. We actually use, uh, we plug into the ba- uh, payment rails, the existing ba- uh, payment and banking rails. So, you know, we, you got like, okay, I'll, I'll give you an inside tip here. Okay. So, yeah, oh, this is what interviews are for, right? You get an inside tip. Come on. So, about a, when you think about a full stack blockchain solution, right? Mm-hmm. So, when you, when you have to make the enterprise sale, right? You, you, you got to think about it like this. Uh, number one, is somebody going to change their whole solution, right? Their whole existing SAP, Oracle, even their, their, their accounting package, you know, their, their, you know, whether it's zero or Intuit or QuickBooks or something like that. Are they going to change that to use your front end user interface, something that's new and they haven't used before, right? I mean, that's a big decision that someone's going to make. Yeah. Right. But it'll affect and everything yes, on the inside. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Then you've got to convince them, hey, there's this blockchain thing on, uh, you know, that, that's plugged in on the bottom, right? Mm. Uh, and then you've got to explain, okay, by the way, you've got to use this, this token, this virtual currency, right, to exchange your, you know, on, on, the, on, on the blockchain. Yeah. So, you know, what, if you think about what we thought about was, how do we make it adoption as easy as possible? Okay, that was our biggest consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the three things that we came up with, one, we're not going to create a full stack solution. We're going to, we're going to focus on the blockchain, right? We're going to focus on connecting these databases, connecting these, making this network, uh, create, think about, uh, connecting these ecosystems, whether somebody's on, uh, on SAP, uh, you know, doing invoicing, whether somebody's on, on Intuit QuickBooks, you know, uh, doing their invoicing or zero or whatnot, and or Sage, and they're plugged into the bank's you know internal you know financing solutions. All we are is the pipes. That's all we're trying to do. Is we're trying to be the pipes. Everyone can continue using their front end system. Now we just figure out how to integrate into all these different systems. That mm. was one thing, right? So we had to figure out that challenge. Mm. The other thing is we said we're not going to use a, virtu- uh, a token. The reason we don't want to use a, a virtual currency or a token uh, is because adoption is very difficult. That doesn't mean we can't do, use it, you know, in the future. What we're saying is today we're not going to do it. We're going to plug into the existing mm-hmm. payment rails. Mm-hmm. So we had to understand what does, what does that entail in terms of payments. We, we know there's new legislation coming out whereby electronic payments are going to be, you know, they're going to, banks are going to expose payment APIs and things like that. That was in our favor, right? But mm-hmm. we thought we made a conscious, conscious decision on that. Uh, so those were the two big decisions that we made. And of course, we weren't going to do the full stack. We we're just going to do the plug-in. Mm. So these are some of the, the big considerations. But then that presents new challenges, and that's what we have, to, we have to think about. Yeah, but there's two things that you said that jump off of me as a startup with the tech players, right? If you're going to design a solution, uh, a minimum viable yeah. product or a proof yeah, of concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of your strategy around you know, when you're going to go and get funding or venture capital and what you're going to ask yeah. for and what you're going to use it for, to be clear on that whole evolution and that journey, the two things that stood out for me there was one adoption right design the solution so that it drives adoption quick exactly right? yeah. and what that Absolutely. basically also means is how, how do I enable scale not yeah. throughout the entire value chain but just in a small little piece quickly exactly right, right? yeah you yeah. gotta you gotta focus so you know one of the things I did before was pharmaceuticals right mm. and I mean my family you know uh, did uh, most of this was generics it was about finding those niche indications or indications of, you know, being ailments, right? Mm. Those niche uses, right? For those generic products where, whereby you didn't have to compete against the big boys. I mean, we, we eventually had to license out some of the products to the big boys. Of course. So how, do, how could we sell some of our products for, for niche uses? Yeah. Uh, and so this was a very, it didn't matter if you're, you're dealing with pharmaceutical. My point is it doesn't matter if you're working with pharmaceuticals or you're working with technology Focus on one thing, do it right, do it well, and, and that will open the doors for, that will allow you to do things in the future. Yeah. Own one market and the, that market exactly. will introduce you to another. Uh, another, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. So next question says, uh, well, it's from Janine. She's saying here, what is the one thing that you procrastinate about and why do you think that is? One procrastination. I. Uh, you know, it's funny. So we do invoicing, right? Mm-hmm. And the one thing I, I procrastinate, them, I mean, I pay the invoices on time, but it's the bills. <laughs> I, I, I should go over, in my, over to my desk 
and you and you I've got a, a stack and I mean a stack of just bills that I need to set I just I wish I had someone who would just sort out you know just do do that every day automated fact and I'm not joking I'm not trying this isn't a sales plug that's the one thing I the other thing I, I procrastinate is uh, if I have to write a tough email you know mm. uh, and I think uh, human <laughs> I mean being an entrepreneur the biggest thing is uh, human interaction mm. uh, you know whether it's whether it's on the sales side or working with your you know your staff mm. uh, you find that balance between you being their friend and uh, or your staff's friend and, and you being very strict and saying, look, this is, this is, it's either this way or that way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to be your friend. I want to take you to lunch. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you well, but you got to trust me that when I say I, I want this done or I want it done this way, or you've got to come in at this time of the day, there's a reason why I'm, I'm asking for that. Yeah. 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 You, you, have to win, you have to, you have to win their, their trust essentially as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, next question here is about your daily routines. <laughs> so I know daily you routine, yeah. 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 So, yeah, so okay. can you describe some of them? Absolutely. The so, the yeah. Yeah. The day in the life of, uh, so, okay. You'll give up a lot. Uh, so it depends on, look, my day starts, uh, and this is probably like most people who are, who work, you know, uh, your day starts at about anywhere between five and six, right? Yeah. Uh, it might start at seven if it's late. And it starts with emails and you'll have a pile of emails sitting in your, in your inbox. And you'll be sitting there going through your phone and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be answering emails. You'll be answering emails to about 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and so it, it's a non, that's one nonstop thing. And it will be Monday through Sunday. It will start, it won't start off, start off as heavy, but by the, by the time you get, go, you know, get, get into it, it'll be, as, you know, and there, there'll be emails that you'll forget about and you'll have to learn how to, flag them and answer them later on. Some will take five minutes. You just want to answer them right away. Some will take a little bit longer and you've got to get back to them a little bit later. You and I have communicated and you've, you've seen the emails that yeah. you know, we've gone back and forth on. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, for me, I have a, I have a kid. Uh, okay. I was going to ask you, how, did, how the hell yeah. do you do that? <laughs> I have a, uh, she's, uh, she's about, what is she? Six weeks. She turned six weeks on Sunday. So, <laughs> so, so this is how bad of a father I am, right? So I, between Techstars and this company, I absolutely forgot about my spousal visa. And I had to find out, <laughs> know about it. I had to find yeah, back yeah. to the United States, right? Yeah. Uh, so kid was three days old. I flew down to Milan for a business trip, flew back, didn't realize my visa had expired because I wasn't even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and next thing I know, I didn't, I, I got detained at the airport for about four hours and, I mean, they eventually let me through because they, I, they asked me, is there any compelling reason why I should, uh, you know, I, we should let you in. I said, my, my daughter's three days old. Yeah. yeah I think this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the big one. And then I went, you know, then obviously one week later, they kicked me out. I fought, I fought a tooth and nail, but I, I had to go back, back in London now. But uh, the point is, you know, you, you, your family will sacrifice. You have to find the time for you. You have to find the balance. Uh, day in the life of uh, it literally it's a fire sale or it's a Chinese fire drill. Mm. You will make up and you will have certain things planned and mm. your life will, you know, something will come up and, and things will be reprioritized. Uh, mm. that just be ready. Just be, just be ready for, for anything. Yeah. Uh, and being like, able to commit to any, to everything. And commit. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You have that, to commit. To that word's yeah. important, man. Cause yeah, yeah. geez. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you guys are a start, you know, Kung Fu is a, is a startup too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you can, you can attest to it, right? You, you tell, yeah. tell me what, what are your, uh, well, <laughs> give your audience, give your audience a, a sneak peek of your life as an entrepreneur starting up this, uh, starting up this venture. Um, well, I would say that I have it slightly easier than you. So okay. my, my youngsters actually pushed past the zero. Mark. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, because to be honest, I mean, I only started this about sort of six months ago. So that was when yeah. he was approaching kind of nine months because, right. yeah. um, because I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any idea on how to manage work-life balance, like whatsoever. Um, but it's funny how it, it's just the hard yards. You just got to keep your head down and keep pushing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just take the hits as they come. You know, there's that quote, 
it's not about being hit. It's about how hard you get hit and standing up again. Just stand up. You know, exactly. and that, whether that's taking shit from your wife for a month uh, <laughs> or sleeping on the couch or not seeing your kid for maybe a couple of weeks or whatever the case is. But if it's, it's the yeah. reality of entrepreneurship. So yeah. to quote Wayne Levine, he said to me, you've got to love the pain. Yeah. So that would be that would be my advice there, right? Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's from you, you know. <laughs> I should well, ask you the question first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have. <laughs> um, right. So rapid fire questions, question, then I'll let you yeah. go and get back to your life. Um, I know okay. A ton of shit you need to get done. Um, cool, man. But um, let's start with this one. Uh, when you hear the word successful, who do you think of and why? Successful. Uh, my parents, right? I, they, I, I, look, they're first generation immigrants. Uh, they left, uh, they, you know, I'm of Indian descent, right? Yeah. We moved to the United States. Uh, I think I was about two and a half at the time. I mean, yeah, my father had a, had a higher education or whatnot, but I saw he had to, I mean, he struggled, you know, he had to basically recertify himself, uh, all this training. And, you know, he, you know, he, he raised us, we lived a good life, uh, but he worked hard and he worked, uh, you know, he worked hard. My mother worked hard to, to raise us, you know, I mean, it was, they, they split a balance and they, my mother was at every, you know, for us, it was soccer, but football game. Uh, so I played football as a kid. She was at every game and we traveled and she, no matter where it was, she made it, made sure she was there to support us. Uh, I mean, they pushed us in terms of education and all, all that. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're my heroes. Uh, they, they, they made sure I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for them at the mm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. I would, I would say if you want to, if you want a, a real life person, who, who would I admire? No, I think that's great. 20,000 people. I could, I could find yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that you used your parents as the kind of associated, um, identity there because most people in my view never actually survive their parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Somehow. So you, I'm still paying. I'm still paying. So contrary to the word successful, who comes to mind when I say the word punchable? Define the word punchable. Uh, someone see there you go yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well there you, you go got me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so um donald trump for me is, oh jesus is uh, okay <laughs> yeah you, you should have said expungible you know maybe i should say that out loud right uh, <laughs> you're probably gonna meet him ironically yeah enough. i know <laughs> i would say i know but okay expungible uh i, I would argue Naysayers uh, are, are punchable people, right? Mm. Uh, I won't say one person, but punchable people, naysayers, people that uh, that won't look at the. You now, look, I'm not saying naysayer because you know Adi and I have this this running uh, inside inside thing here. So Adi and I have this running thing. He sees that glass is half empty, and I see it as half full, right? Right. So we, it's actually fantastic because we we see the glass somewhere where it should be, right? Uh, <laughs> which is like uh, it's it's neither full nor empty. Yeah, but uh, that's not what I mean by negative people that who say no. I mean he's a realist, is, is what I'm. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, that's not what I mean. What yeah. I'm trying to say is people that will, will basically, you know, they don't ha- they don't contribute to society, but will tell you what's wrong. Right? That's what I don't. That's punchable. That's what. That's what. That's mm-hmm. if there's a problem, go out there and fix it. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you want to be an entrepreneur, go out and fix the problem that's out there. there there's a hundred opportunities out there to fix. Every day we complain, and myself included. I complain about this isn't right or that isn't right or the other thing isn't right. Go fix it. Mm-hmm. Or go find a way it. around it to make it better for your life. Yeah, go fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get off your ass and actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, what recent pur- purchase have you made for $100 or less um, yeah. that, is, uh, that has had a significant positive impact on your life? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. It could be, you know, some days like I'm having a bad day and it could be something like, you know, just and a couple of coffee. Yeah, not even that. <laughs> yeah, a cup of coffee, man. Uh, but, uh, it's like, man, I really needed that coffee or tea. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but tea, you know, it's like uh, that tea really uh, sort of you know, calmed me down. Or, and, you know, uh, but uh, under a hundred bucks, I guess, how much was my Fitbit? That was a good one because uh, I didn't realize Your how much Fitbit? I sat around. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah. I, I didn't realize how much I actually sat around. You know, uh-huh. I run and I, and I, I do uh, do things, but 
like, I, I'm really freaking lazy. I, I didn't realize it. But at the end of the day, I, the thing goes off and I'm like, they're like, it's, it's like, you know, do a hundred steps or a hundred, 200 steps. And like, so you pace around the, you know, the office or something like that while you're on the phone or something, you know? But I guess that was a, that was a good one, you know? Okay, cool. Fitbit. Yeah, yeah everyone's wearing them down here as well. Yeah, so, there you know. go. I haven't quite... Or one of those bracelets that you wear for that contribute to, to a good cause, you know? Yes. You, power, you know, it donates charity, money to charity or something. Okay, cool, mate. Okay, so last two questions. Um, yeah. What uh, problem do you face every day that no one else has solved yet? Uh... Yeah, I think what we're doing, pretty much, that's the question we ask every day. And even mm. we haven't solved bits and pieces. And I'm not going to say what we haven't fixed. <laughs> it's a bit too much, but... Uh, top tip. Digital uh, country uh, top tip. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. If you're going like, to get into a blockchain space, one of the biggest things is, is how you're going to get two sides to it. And if you're going to do it for B2B, right? Mm. Uh, how do you get two sides of a, a, of a transaction, two participants to a transaction onto the same on to, you know, to agree to, to work off of the system. Mm. That's the, the, that's the inside one. And I work on that every day mm. and we come up with solutions. We cannot come up with incentives, but until we actually, you know, we've got those pilot customer running, but until we actually go out there and, you know, uh, if you ask me this question in six months, I'll, I'll tell you whether, whether my concerns are right or wrong. Mm. But little by, by little, I, I see that maybe I'm not, I'm, I'm over concerned about some of the things that I, I should be, I am concerned about and under concerned about things that I probably I'm not aware of, and I'll find out maybe three months down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe we'll check back with you then and see what, uh, <laughs> what you have in soul. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't mean to. All I was saying was, look, pick me anywhere, say, "Kush, okay, what you think?" But we look, know, uh, you know ironically, we knew Nathan, right? Uh, Nathan. Yes. Uh, how, so how is Nathan? Like, is he there? He's doing well. You know, when I was in New York, uh, I went down there, and I, uh, you know, he, he's working out of Rise, uh, Rise, uh, New York. Okay. Uh, which is the Barclays, uh, Barclays building uh, down in New York. Uh, and so I, I was hanging out with him and we were having a chat and we were having a chat even about fundraising and things like that. It's amazing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, uh, he's doing well, by the way. Uh, but uh, no matter what happens, uh, yeah, we're all in the same boat. We all run into this. I mean, if you see that show of Silicon Valley, here's another plug. Yeah. Uh, watch the show of Silicon Valley. Some of the things are actually legitimate. Really? Some of, it, some of it's just for comic humor, you know? Uh, but it's not <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, when you see him, tell him, uh, screw you. Beforehand, I would have, you know, smacked him across the head once. Uh, although he's like about, you know, I'm a short guy. So he's about, uh, what about a foot taller than me, you know? He's, yeah, he's a tall dude. He's about two yeah, feet taller yeah. than me. So. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, well, he keeps ignoring me for an interview, so... Uh, yeah, why, why is he? Why is he ignoring you? you know? I don't know. I think he's living the high life now. I see he's on a different page. Sorry, you're in that other chapter. I can't touch you. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. no. The funny thing was, we we actually got halfway through it, and then uh, uh, for for business reasons, we couldn't con- continue it. But uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No But okay. hey, guys, check out for the next Nathan Stevenson interview. Yeah, there you <laughs> There's go. A free <laughs> it's coming. It's going to be yeah. immense. So global advisory. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Last question for you, Chris. Yeah. What's What's your why as an entrepreneur? What's my why? What's What you mean? What's like yeah. my thriller? What's my no, What's your why as an entrepreneur? Oh, what why? Gets, why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why? Uh, Somebody said, uh, what's my why? And, and basically boiled down to, I'm, I'm a capitalist. <laughs> On this one, I'm a capitalist. I, you know, it, there's no other reason. I, I mean, I came across this idea and I'm doing it because I'm a capitalist, you know? Mm. Uh, I got to pay the bills. Uh, everyone pays the bills. But if I'm going to have fun paying the bills, then why not? Mm. Uh, it's the most boring subject. I mean, what we do is one of the most boring subject matters in the world, you know? Mm. But you know what? I'm having fun trying to figure out how to solve it. Uh, and that's, that's what I love. Like, I, you know, even when I worked uh, in, in banking, uh, I was an analyst or a strategist. And, and what I did was I figured out the why and why would I invest in this, in this mm. country or this sector or this, you know, industry or whatnot. Mm. Uh, and it was, it, the, the why was, you know, it, yeah. The why, okay. the why is what keeps everyone going, including any entrepreneur. Uh, okay. But that's, yeah. that's mine. Like I, I like, I love solving challenges. How can I do it better? How can I do it differently? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, 
Uh, this is signing off. Uh, the capitalist Kush Patel, dude. Thank you yeah. for your time today. <laughs> okay. uh, it's been really awesome uh, getting to know you and covering all the amazing stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, a ton of value, I'm sure, for for anyone who's uh, been sticking around with guests for this podcast and video cast. And yeah. Yeah, I'd just like to wish you all the very best. I'll be following you. Thanks, your, Matt. Your yeah, case. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, you too, man. Uh, so. Uh, we know a lot of guys out here. Uh, so if there's a particular topic or something like that you're looking for, yeah, uh, let us know. Uh, you know, you should get in touch with uh, well, Level Thirty Nine because they've got forty or fifty different uh, you know uh, startups that are mm-hmm. in all kinds of different spaces. And of course, you've got the accelerator programs as well. Okay, well, yeah, if you can yeah. connect me to who's ever in I'll, I'll, I'll do it. To, I'll do it to Tech Stars, and I'll, I'll also I think Trisha. You spoke to Trisha Martinez. Of, yes, uh, that's right. Walmart, yeah. Right. Amazing uh, check. By the way, yeah. I, I, I don't know if she told you where she got the name, but right here. No I was, way. I was a contributor. Yes, I was really? a contributor on that one. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, well done. Uh, Boom. I'm talking to guys that here at Level 39, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, something comes out actually. You know, finance is a good one. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, mate. Well, listen, okay. uh, let's leave it at that. Thank you once again. Okay. And uh, no yeah, we will be following you very closely. Okay, buddy. Cheers, yeah. right, cheers. Take care. Bye, Ciao. guys. Remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes, so head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on player.fm, Stitcher, and cliffcentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a two percent share of voice globally to an 11 percent share of voice globally in only seven days if you'd like more information head on over to showworksmedia.com for more that is showworks with an x.com